You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Open your Bibles, if you will. We're in Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10, if you will look there. We made our way down through like verse 15 last week. And while you're turning there, can you listen at the same time? Turn pages and listen at the same time. So, if you remember, the Gibeonites had oh, deceived Israel into making them think that they were not the enemy, that they were. Uh, from far, far away, they're not the ones that God had wanted to be wiped out and that had been so rebellious against God in the first place in the ways of the Lord, and that, you know, you could make peace with us, and as you know, they did. Well, come to find out, uh, Gibeon was one of the main um, cities of the, uh, the wicked nations that were surrounding uh, the promised land, and and they were supposed to have been wiped out, but it's too late. They already made a, um, a pact with them, and now they cannot do anything but accept them and allow them to stay uh, inside Israel and to protect them. Israel needed to protect them just like they were one of their own. And you, you remember what happened. All the other five kings heard that the Gibeonites had made a pact with, with this Israel, and they were upset, and also they were somewhat fearful because uh, the Gibeonites, the Gibeon was a large city. It was one that, that uh, everybody would migrate toward. They were a metropolis of sorts. And, and so when they heard that they had sided up with Israel, if you remember, um, all those other five kings got together and said, we need to take these guys out. And they tried that. And they cried for Israel. The Gibeonites cried for Israel. Uh, here comes Joshua. He comes running in. And God had promised him, I believe it was in verse 8, that, hey, don't worry, none of these guys are going to be able to stand against you, if you remember the story. And, uh, and sure enough, they're chasing them, trying to fight them, and Joshua could see that the, day, the night was coming on a little bit, the sun was starting to drop, and he realized the job was, uh, was much bigger than what, how much day was left. And he prayed to God and asked that God would please be gracious and hold the sun and the moon in their place and give the light that was necessary to be able to fight the battle. And God did, as you know. It was a tremendous victory. And um, so while that was going on, we have another thing happening at the same time. And that's where we find ourselves here tonight in Joshua 10. We'll pick up in verse 16. So you've got those five kings, they all came together, they were fighting against the Gibeonites and now against Israel, and so all those kings had come together. Now look where we find them in verse 16. But these five kings fled and hid themselves in a cave at Makeda. Can you see those five kings probably on their white mules or their horses and sitting on their horses together? And the backside of the battle while it was going on, probably up on a somewhat of a hillside watching how things are going. And then they saw the battle was going so much against them, and they took off, obviously. And they're all together, okay? So 
um, they took off and went and hid themselves in a cave. And it was told Joshua, saying, The five kings are found hid in a cave at Makeda. And Joshua said, Roll great stones upon the mouth of the cave, and set men by it for to keep them. And stay ye not, but pursue after your enemies. And smite the hindmost of them, suffer them not to enter into their cities, for the Lord your God hath delivered them into your hand. And it came to pass when Joshua and the children of Israel had made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter till they were consumed, that the rest which remained of them entered in defensed cities. And all the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Makeda in peace. None moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Then said Joshua, Open the mouth of the cave. And bring out those five kings unto me out of the cave. And they did so, and brought forth those five kings unto him out of the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. And it came to pass when they brought out those kings unto Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said unto the captains of the men of war which went with him, Come near. Put your feet upon the necks of these kings, and they came near and put their feet upon the necks of them. And Joshua said unto them, This command should sound familiar to you. Joshua said unto them, same thing that was said to him, Fear not, nor be dismayed, be strong, and of good courage, for thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom ye fight. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9 the same things were said to Joshua, to be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. And so he turns around, and here is um, really and truly the representation of all the enemies that they're going to be facing uh, across the land, and he wants to get it clear to them, guys, you don't need to be afraid, you don't need to fear about any of the enemies that we're going to face. Please remember, these five kings are a representation of all the other enemies that they're going to face throughout the rest of the promised land. That was what was uh, needing to be prominent in the mind of, of uh, number one, of Joshua, and I believe it was, but number two, in the mind of the people, so that these people would have a good idea of exactly what God was going to do, willing to do for them throughout the rest of this land, okay? So, verse 26 and afterward, Joshua smote them and slew them and hanged them on five trees, and they were hanging upon the trees until the evening. And it came to pass about the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded, and they took them down off the trees and cast them into the cave wherein they had been hid and laid great stones in the cave's mouth, which remain until this very day, or at least until the writing of this. And that day Joshua took Makeda and smote it with the edge of the sword, and the king thereof he utterly destroyed them and all the souls that were therein. He let none remain, and he did to the king of Makeda as he did unto the king of Jericho. I'm going to stop there and we'll have a word of prayer and then we'll get into these thoughts here tonight. God, again, thank you for uh, the blessing of being in the word of God. And I'm thankful, Lord, you've put into this book, the Bible, the record of the things that you want your people to know and to understand. 
And I know you told us in the New Testament that the things that were written and the things that happened in the Old Testament were written as end samples, examples for us to be able to look upon here today that would give us encouragement and would strengthen us as well. So please, God, will you speak to our hearts and encourage us, just as Joshua challenged the people on that day. May we take courage tonight against the enemy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We only have room for one king in our life. That's going to be the title of my message. We only have room for one king in our life. So just notice as I get down into my thoughts here tonight, these five kings had hid together as one man. They had conspired together and now they are hiding together all in one place and men of Israel apparently whether they were chasing the the rest of the enemy and happened to look over and see these five kings maybe running with their on their horses or mules or on foot for all I know happened to look up and could tell these are the five kings of these different kingdoms and so they noticed them running and hiding and it was uh, apparently a conspicuous cave one that was easy to remember, and whoever it was that saw this happen came running back and reported it to Joshua and told him what was going on. Here's what you need to understand before I go a whole lot further. They were still chasing the enemy, and those thousands of the other enemy was out in front of them, and there was still a great job to do, and God had lengthened the day for them to be able to finish this job, and so what do you do? You've got five kings hid in a cave. You'd really like to see them taken out, but you've got thousands that are out in front of you. What's a man to do? So Joshua knew that, sure enough, these guys are rebellious men. Uh, they had the kind of an attitude as leaders, as kings, that were able to really gather together an, a group of men that could follow them and to carry out what you know, their thoughts were about you know, their enemy. And so it was important to Joshua... He's not going to just let him go while we run off and try to take care of the rest of our, of our battle. So what he told him to do is just, guys, cover the mouth of that cave. Fill it up with great stones. And then I need you to set a watch over the mouth of that cave. While the rest of you guys, I don't need a whole army gathered around this. I want the rest of you guys to get back into the battle and head on out and, and fight in the war. I just need enough... Um, you know, sentinels that can stand here. If you happen to see like the stones beginning to move a little bit, as if the kings on the inside are trying to, you know, make a break and run for it, or if you see some of the other enemies slipping around behind that might be coming up and trying to rescue the kings and, and uh, you know, to, to set them free, then I need you to report to us and we'll get the men back here and, uh, and we'll make sure the kings do not escape, okay? So that's where they're at. <clears throat> You're going to think it's odd that I tell you this, but it really fits in with what I want to say. I was reading a little bit tonight and uh, before I came to church, and apparently there were some uh, men that were at a campsite out in the woods. They had gone deer hunting together. Do we have any deer hunters in the church here tonight? Let me see the hands of those faithful, yes, those men that provide for the needs of the family. Amen. So, yeah, I figured that out real fast that's not what happens when I go deer hunting but some guys get to do that so these guys had gone deer hunting and uh, some of the guys were back now they're around the campfire 
and three or four men are, and they look up, and here comes old Bud. Bud's coming down the trail. He's got this big, uh, you know, five-point buck on his, over his shoulders, draped over his shoulders, and he comes in, drops it on the ground, and the other guys say, so where's Harry? He said, oh, he's breathing really hard. He said, well, Harry's back up on the trail two or three miles back. He said, I think he was having a stroke or a heart attack or something. They said, what? He's having a stroke or a heart attack, and, and you come into camp without him? He said, well, you know, I, I, I didn't think they would steal Harry. So I brought what was most important to me. Now, I just finished the, the rest of the story was not added to that, but it's obvious that I brought what was most important to me. And I knew if I left my deer there, they'd steal my deer. But who's going to steal Harry? <laughs> so, you know, for my first thought here tonight, if I could just mention, everybody has your life prioritized to one degree or another. By the things that are most important to you, um, Sometimes there are things that are screaming at you all the time. You know, it's the squeaky wheel syndrome. And so just to get rid of the squeaky wheel, you may concentrate as, uh, most of your time on the things that are the loudest and the, you know, the most irritating to you. While there may be some other things out front here that have more importance, but you simply don't care because I'm getting rid of these things that are an annoyance in my life. Besides that, you know, I have priorities in my life, after all, you might be thinking and saying. Everybody has prioritized your life in one way or another, and if you would give somebody long enough to be able to just sit back and watch you, they could somehow sit back in the corner and see you uh, at work, see you when you get home, what it is you do once you do get home, what happens out in the yard, what happens in the house, and those kind of things. It wouldn't take long before people could figure out pretty quickly where your priorities really are. Here with Joshua, they come running up to him. Joshua, you know, we've got, we have found the five kings. Now, I've got an idea, you know, red flags are shooting up in his mind. Uh, he's thinking, you found the five kings, those guys that caused this whole disturbance in the first place? And they're like, yeah, we know exactly where they're at. And he glances over at these thousands of the enemy trying to get away. And he looks back and says, you know where they're at for sure. Yeah, we know where they're at. And prioritizing began to take place in that man's heart and mind. What do I do? And so he came up with what I believe God led him to do and set priorities in order. Listen, it wasn't that the five kings weren't important. They were very important. And matter of fact, I believe they were very critical. There's too many stories in history and even in the Bible where certain kings or leaders had been allowed to escape and uh, even after their armies had been wiped out and in just a matter of years, they were somehow able to amass another large army together and come back against the very people that had almost wiped them out before. Joshua knew that. He was a great military leader, so he had a major decision to make. Do I want to let the five kings go? And he finally came to the conclusion, obviously, you can't let the five kings go. We'll come back to them. We'll seal the cave. But we've got some things that we must take care of first. Let me, uh, let me bring this home into the Christian life here for just a little bit. We all have what I would call enemies or things with, within our Christian life that are, I would call them distractions while we are trying to accomplish the purposes of God in our life. 
As a pastor, I, it wouldn't take long for me to sit down and begin to share with you some things that uh, come, come at me continually, things that come to my mind, um, you know, events that happen sometimes at church. Um, you, you can probably imagine, you've been in church long enough, you know the kind of things that may come to a pastor, somebody trying to serve the Lord in the ministry. We have a lot of things coming at us from a lot of different angles. And we, we all have a lot of enemies that uh, come from a lot of different directions. We have the enemies of the home. Guys, you, you understand the enemy of the home is in a lot of different places, comes from a lot of different territories, a lot of different avenues, but the devil wants to strike the home, and I believe that if he can take care of the home, if he can wipe the home out, what has he effectively done? He's taken care of the church and wiped the churches out. We, we have everything from uh, things that happen at the workplace. You drive down the street, you have advertisements, you have things that happen in society in general. All of us have things that are at work on you right now. There are things right now that are vying for your attention right here in the church service, and you have things that need to be prioritized, obviously, uh, in, in the Christian life. And our flesh, I mean, God knows our flesh is uh, an enemy to us many times. You know, we've got the, this old body that, that many times wants to have its own way. And, you, and yet, if you have your life prioritized, you learn to tell your body, I know, body, that you feel like sitting home tonight, Sunday night, and propping your feet up, you know, nice warm cup of whatever, or cold glass of tea or whatever, but I know what my life needs, I know my soul needs to be fed, and so, body, we're heading off to church, or, you know, any number of scenarios that we could probably come up with tonight. The world is against the principles of Christianity that we're trying to promote within our home and in our own individual lives. And Satan hates the Christian who tries to take a stand for Christ. And he's going to try to find any area, we call it the Achilles heel, that little weak link in your life that he can try to get into to try to attack you, your life, or your home. It's, it's true here in our church as well. And uh, again, here comes these enemies from all different directions attacking the Christian life. But I find that just like these five kings who were from different cities and different places and different regions, they all came together in the end. Do you notice they, they all had one common denominator? And when it came to uh, wiping out the Gibeonites, which in effect were really to wipe out the Israelites, bottom line that's really, whether they even realized it or not, is what they were after was the Israelites. They had one common denominator, and they all agreed that while we're from different regions and different places, we come together in one place and we have a common enemy. And it boiled down to the nation of Israel. They all marched to the orders of Satan. Every one of them did. And the devil was leading their lives and directing what was being said and done, I believe, here in this chapter. And like James told us in chapter 3 and verse 6, he said, The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. Does anybody remember this next phrase? And uh, setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. So anytime you've got something that comes against the principles, the doctrines, the lifestyle that tries to take a stand for the things of God, just know and understand 
that Satan is the one that's behind that, that's trying to attack and to bring your life or your family or this church down. Any enemy that is after us has the potential to be deadly. They're not to be taken lightly. Joshua knew that. He knew those kings eventually needed to be wiped out and eradicated, and with good reason. And we need to understand uh, just how wicked every enemy of our soul really, really is. I heard um, a heart-wrenching story from one of our news anchors right here in Sioux Falls. Did anybody else see the Angela Kennedy story? If you haven't, you really ought to go online and just pull it up, Angela Kennedy's daughter and listen to the sad, sad story that um, didn't realize her daughter was involved in the things that she was involved in, but it was deep and it was dark and it was affecting not just her, you know, her spiritual life, but her physical body and eventually took her life. She was on uh, the World News uh, a couple, three mornings ago, giving her testimony. I believe it was about the opioids. Isn't that what it was all about that her daughter had gotten into? Just a very, very sad story. And I, I, you just need to know and understand here tonight, guys, that um, the things that come at you may seem small right now, but they are, they are enough that they can take your walk away, your walk with God, your fellowship with the Lord, your, 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 your service to God is really in jeopardy, and somebody needs to stand up and uh, take the priorities in your life to determine what really is most important in my life. You might stop and uh, consider, you know, if I don't accomplish this, if I, if I become slack in this area, follow it all the way through. What are the consequences that could happen? And determine based upon, you know, the depth of what could really happen in my life, what needs to be prioritized in my life. Um, I have heard um, a, a little quote, and I tried to get it into my head tonight, but it's, it's uh, you know, uh, we sacrifice, what is it, the permanent on the altar of the immediate. I think that's one of the quotes that's out there. We take those things that are screaming at us all the time, and we allow those little, I'll even use the words, frivolous things sometimes to take priority in our life. And the other things that are so weighty matters that, that carry such great consequence in our lives sometimes we don't prioritize them in the manner that we ought to. So Joshua looks up and he realizes, do I want to lose these thousands of people that are running off uh, or do I want to go and take care of five men? And Joshua knew there was a way that both could get done and should get done and if he would be diligent about it and would work on it in, in the right way and in the proper manner. And he prioritized his life. He realized I can get both of these done. These guys, I will take care of you. You are an issue that needs to be dealt with. But right now, we have a major battle going on. We have a major front uh, that is uh, out in front of us. And I need to keep my men going in this direction. We'll wipe the enemy out. You secure those guys. And then we will come back and make sure we take care of these other issues that are at work in our lives. We're not saying to take the little things that are constantly in front of our face and never take care of them. But what God, I believe God does want us to understand is there are priorities that must be prioritized in every person's life. And make sure you got your priorities in a godly order or it could come up with some grave consequences. 
So what I love about this tonight is, is how the story ends up. Joshua called for his captains. They were probably the generals. You read it along with me here toward the end of the the verses that we read here tonight. And he commanded them. He said, guys, come up here. Here are these five kings. We've got them laid out here on the ground. I can see them possibly, their hands tied behind their back. I'm not sure what it would have exactly looked like. But they're laying on the ground. I have an idea that they're face down, uh, just my view of it. And uh, he commanded all of his generals. He called for all of Israel uh, that was with them. They all gathered up as close as they could get. And he said, I want my captains to come up here. And in, in, the front, in front of everybody watching, he said, I want you to place your foot on the necks of these kings. And they did so. Um, I don't know if there's a little bit of sympathy rising up inside of you for these five kings and all these other nations that were being chased, but you've got to stop and remember this. Please hear this, because this is one of the things I hear many times from people that argue against, uh, you know, a God, supposedly a loving God, and how could a loving God do things like what we're reading about here tonight. Guys, listen, for 420 years, these same people, of course, they're their ancestors and have passed it on to them, have heard about the nation of Israel. Uh, even uh, Rahab, when the spies came up to her, she said, we have heard how your God parted the waters and dried up the waters of the Red Sea. And, and several other places indicated that they knew about the God, that the God of Israel. And they had an opportunity, every opportunity, to realize that he is the great and mighty God, that there's no God that does what this God does, and yet, God gave them space to repent and turn away from their wickedness and their evil, and they wouldn't. And they lived wicked lives and lived a lifestyle that was uh, the kind of lifestyle that God just could not put up with and allowed them to be wiped out. So in the presence of all of these uh, uh, Israelites standing around watching, Joshua says, I want you to put your foot on the necks of these men. And they did. And then Joshua looked at those men and said, now listen. I want you to be strong. I want you to have good courage. I don't want you to be afraid or dismayed. And I want you to understand that God's going to give you victory over these enemies. And it was a picture of all the other enemies that they would yet face in their Christian life or in, in here uh, uh, in the promised land. And so they did that. They placed their foot on the necks of the soldiers. And it was a statement that there is no enemy that is any kind of dominance or power over the God of heaven or even of his people if the people are obviously are following God. He promised them in Psalm 47 and verse 3 that uh, he shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. Man, I love that. And he told us in 1 Corinthians 15, 25, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. And that is the goal of God. And I don't know if you remember that the name Joshua is the Hebrew name for Jesus. But Joshua, as he commanded these men to put their foot on the enemy's neck, he wanted them to see the victory that they had over them. And he wanted them to feel the enemy under their power. And and just the same here tonight, and if I could just end with this thought here tonight... I'm convinced that Jesus wants us to get our foot on the neck of our enemies. I, I really believe that. I believe it would be, if we would be honest here tonight and would be willing to uh, take a good hard look at the things that are working on us in our own hearts and in our own lives, things that are attacking us, 
things that kind of seem to have a little bit of a grip in my life, things that I've kind of dabbled with and I've played around with and I let this enemy work in my life or in my family's life, uh, wherever it might be or whatever it might be, I really do believe tonight that if I've read this here tonight properly and, I, and I'm understanding what it is God wants me to take away from this, if God wanted the Israelites to understand, guys, your foot is on their neck. And every enemy that's going to come up against you, no enemy is going to be able to stand against you. I want to give you the victory in the name of the Lord. If God wanted Israel to understand that, I believe the message for us tonight is God wants you to have victory in every area of your life. To our young people that are here tonight, and a whole bunch of years ago when I was your age, I remember what it was like back then. And I knew the battles that I faced. And I knew the temptations that were there. And I knew there were things that worked in my life that I allowed to have somewhat of control in my life. And I would just say to you tonight, you don't have to be controlled by those things in your life. There is a God in heaven that can give victory over everything that comes up against you. God wants you to understand the foot of Jesus is on the neck of Satan tonight. And God has the victory over the greatest enemy that can come up against us. If we just learn to turn to Christ and let God have the leadership in every area of my life, the areas where we struggle so much in our lives, even tonight, God can give us that great victory. We could leave here tonight. I, I, just, I, just, I don't know if there's somebody here this evening that has something at work in your own heart. I'd say to our young people tonight, and I've said this for many years, I love you with all my heart. I'd love to see God doing great things in your life. But can I just say what the title of my message was again tonight? We really only have room for one king in our life. And it can't be Jesus and these other things that I love and these other things that I've not prioritized in my life. Things that uh, I feel like important to me, but in reality, if you be honest, they're kind of taking me down. And my walk with God is not what it ever used to be. I just want to challenge you tonight. Would you just maybe be willing to turn to the Lord tonight and say, God, I need victory over these things. I need to be able to turn back to the Lord tonight and ask God to give me the help that I've needed so long in having victory in my life. You can have that. We don't have to walk in defeat tonight, but you can have victory in the Lord. So just with those thoughts in mind, if you can just remember and see a, a leader, Joshua, and our, our, our King, the Lord Jesus Christ, telling us, put your foot on the neck of your enemy and understand I have already given you victory over that enemy tonight. I would ask if you just bow your heads with me here this evening, our heads bowed and eyes closed, and we'll go to the Lord in prayer once again. God, thank you so much, Lord, that you, again, have given us, given us record of things that would be encouraging and helpful to us here tonight and as we have studied here this evening god about the enemy that comes to the christian life i'm thankful lord that we have victory in jesus and i'm asking tonight lord please may each and every one of us god be willing to turn our heart and souls over to the lord and ask you to examine us tonight help us to take a good hard look at the priorities that we have set up in our lives or if there are no priorities and life does need to be set in order. And I pray, God, you just give a great victory in each and every area of our hearts tonight. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen.
We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.